baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. This is an ABC News special, Terror in London. There was a a body, and when I looked further up, there was another body. And then um, when I looked over the side of the bridge, there appeared to be a body in the water as well. I saw someone down, uh, uh, obviously in great distress, and then I saw a second person down. Sadly, I can confirm that now four people have died. There was a lady in a pool of her own blood. We declared this as a terrorist incident and the Counter-Terrorism Command are carrying out a full-scale investigation. It's something you just don't expect to see in London. It's quite shocking, actually. Here is ABC News correspondent Alex Stone. Good evening and thank you for joining us. It was mid-afternoon in London when gunfire broke out. Chaos around the Parliament building in the shadow of Big Ben. A driver hitting pedestrians on the Westminster Bridge. One victim pulled from the River Thames. An attack on police. Eventually, the gunman shot and killed by officers. Tonight, police are now saying four victims died, including a police officer, plus the gunman, dead as well. The numbers have been rising. Forty people now believed to have been injured. This hour, we're going to take you to London inside the investigation into what we know this evening. We'll find out the latest about the gunman, about the victims, and about the tense hours locked inside the Parliament building and here at home, what the president is saying tonight, how it affects Homeland Security. But we begin now in London with my colleague Tom Rivers, who has been on this story all day to give us a rundown of how it unfolded. Alex, from calm to all hell breaking loose in just a few seconds in one of the main tourist spots here in the very heart of London. Around 2.40 in the afternoon, an SUV hops onto the sidewalk on Westminster Bridge, and the carnage begins. This eyewitness says people were being flung in all directions. On the other side of the road, there was a a body, and when I looked further up, there was another body. And then um, when I looked over the side of the bridge, there appeared to be a body in the water. The vehicle then gets across the bridge, and 80 yards in front of the driver is Parliament. He smashes the car into the perimeter fence, then comes out with a knife. He confronts a policeman and stabs him to death. Then another armed police officer took him. Assailant shot and killed. Police yelled at members of the public to get out of the area. In Parliament, the politicians in the House of Commons were told they were now in a lockdown. Order! I am now going to suspend the sitting of the House. This house is now suspended, but please wait here. Then, in the cold night air outside 10 Downing Street, Prime Minister Theresa May paid tribute to those who shut down the attack. These events provide a particular reminder of the exceptional bravery of our police and security services who risk their lives to keep us safe. The city right now on edge. The cordons remain in place. The huge investigation grinding away into the night. Alex? And Tom, you're live in London tonight. What's the scene this evening? Right now, uh, calm, in a sense, has descended upon Parliament Square and the immediate area. The cordon remains. It is a crime scene as we speak. Interestingly, though, the parliamentarians plan to show up tomorrow on time. They say doing anything else would be a victory for terrorism. 
So in the House of Commons, work begins at 9.30 in the morning, local time, 11 a.m. in the House of Lords. But right now, uh, in the area, though, as I say, people being shunned away. The bridge, Westminster Bridge, that is, uh, as I say, a crime scene. Investigators, forensic teams on there right now. Tom, let's go over the numbers as we know them right now. They've been changing all day. Shortly before we went on air, they changed again. We know one police officer, three members of the public, the attacker, five total conditions of the others. Do we know among those who were injured? Yeah, among the injured, they say uh, literally about three or four very serious conditions. So uh, be praying for them. Also, we understand that uh, three French teenagers between the age of 15 and 16 were among those who were who were uh, uh, rolled over on on the bridge itself, and of course uh, in France they're very mindful of that. The Eiffel Tower, for instance, has been uh, dimmed. The lights on the tower dimmed in respect for the people that have been injured and lost their lives tonight. Tonight, Tom, thank you very much. Stand by. We'll come back to you in just a moment. The people who lived through the chaos in London telling incredible stories tonight. Many saw the horrors unfold. Some were locked down for hours. Andrew Woodcock was an eyewitness. He describes in his own words what he saw. Well, my office um, is actually inside the uh, parliamentary building here in Westminster, and I'm overlooking New Palace Yard, which is the area where the incident took place. Um, about quarter to three this afternoon, I heard um, a lot of shouting and screaming from outside the window. I looked out to see about 40 or 50 people running from the direction of Westminster Bridge, um, around the corner into the uh, Parliament Square, which is the large public square outside outside the House of, uh, of Parliament. And as it, it appeared to me they were running away from something. And as they came to the, the main car entrance into, um, into the Houses of Parliament, um, a man appeared from the crowd holding what looked to me like a large kitchen knife above his head. He ran towards the Parliamentary Building through the gates, which are guarded by four or five policemen at all times. Um, there was a lot of confusion at that point. Um, I heard what sounded like three gunshots and saw two people lying on the ground. Those armed police came immediately rushing to the scene. Um, there, the, the, the area was was uh, was immediately uh, locked down, and um, there's been uh, an air ambulance arrived and landed in, in the square outside. Um, other ambulances arrived by road. There was maybe a 20, 30-minute period when um, these Two bodies that were like, or two people, sorry, I should say, lying on the floor were being treated by medics. Um, that's that's really what that's what I saw. Eyewitness Andrew Woodcock. Let's go back now, live to London, to the spot where it all began, the Westminster Bridge. ABC's Molly Hunter is live near the bridge tonight. Molly, describe what you're seeing right now. Good evening, Alex. Now it's about eleven o'clock local time. It's still very much an active crime scene. We're still seeing. Uh, siren cars going in and out, police officers moving around. We're getting updates from the police um, outside Westminster, uh, right where we're standing. And we actually just got an update. I'm sure you've already gone over the headlines. Um, but they're still not telling us anything about that attacker. All they've said is that it's Islamist-related terrorism uh, is their assumption. Um, but all day they've, uh, they haven't said any specifics about that person, and they now say they're looking at potential associates. So that's the information that we're hoping to get uh, from them tonight. Of course, all the loved ones and, and everyone who's lost 
uh, someone or someone they know someone who's been injured uh, are also waiting for that information. Uh, we also heard from police moments ago um, that more than 40 people were injured, many more than we had previously thought. But as we just heard from that eyewitness, obviously bodies were laying um, and it was incredibly hard in that aftermath chaos to actually to actually count them up, of course. Um, but we're getting a much more clear picture now, uh, several hours after that attack, Alex. There are still, Molly, so many questions tonight about how and why this unfolded. What has the atmosphere in the U.K. been like recently? The, the terror level has been high, the warning levels out there, uh, almost warning folks that a terror attack was likely to happen. Have folks been paying attention? Has this been something that, that there's been concern about? Absolutely. And there's been concern for, for, for the last couple of years. We did hear from uh, one of the police officers briefing uh, press today that this is the day police had planned for, but it hoped would never happen. And that's exactly right. Police left into action immediately. They knew exactly what to do. They followed protocol by all accounts. Uh, but this was a day after we've seen Brussels, after we've seen Nice in France and Paris in France, and an incredibly violent last couple of years in Europe. This was the day that Britain that London knew was coming uh, and was was just hoping wouldn't. And that's exactly what happened today. But again, this happened in the heart of the city in one of the most highly secured areas of all the city. So already there were so many uh, police officers already on hand. Again, that eyewitness that we just played talked about the police officers that on a normal day already patrol that area. Um, but we'll certainly be seeing a lot more of those now, of course, going forward. One of the things the police did say as Londoners headed home for from work today because the attack happened in the afternoon. Uh, people were mostly on lockdown. There was much confusion for the afternoon. And then, of course, as people headed home around five or six o'clock, police were telling people that they were going to see a lot more armed police officers around the city, um, that a lot more of the subway stations were going to be closed. It was going to be harder to get around. And I think people knew that knew that that was coming, that knew that a day like this was gonna, going to happen. And no one's particularly surprised that it did or what the city looks like tonight. And Molly, just very quickly here, uh, government offices will be open tomorrow? That's exactly right. Uh, Parliament should be in session. We did hear from uh, Prime Minister Theresa May tonight, uh, who spoke about the uh, British. Yep. All right. ABC's Molly Hunter there in London. When we come back, the new weapon of choice, the vehicle being used in terror attacks. And we'll talk to former FBI agents about what they're seeing. This is an ABC News special, Terror in London. We'll be right back. You're listening to an ABC News special, Terror in London. Once again, here is ABC News correspondent Alex Stone. It unfolded quickly today, beginning with a weapon that's hard to see as a threat. Vehicles are increasingly being used in terror attacks, and today was an example of how effective they can be when someone is determined to kill. ABC's Brad Milkey has more on that. Alex, it was a bizarre, terrifying sight last July. A 20-ton truck barreling through a crowded promenade in Nice, France. On this national holiday, Bastille Day, a driver and his accomplices killed more than 80 people, injuring hundreds. But this was hardly spontaneous. In fact, ISIS had announced its new playbook two years prior. According to a terror watch group, an ISIS spokesman named Abu Muhammad al-Adnani told followers, quote, if you are not able to find an IED or a bullet, then single out a disbelieving American, Frenchman, or any of their allies. Smash his head with a rock, slaughter him with a knife, or run him over with your car. The kid 
that I talked to said that he thinks at least four or five medics, the, the guy ran into an entire crowd of students. Just a few months after the attack in Nice, another man took him up on his advice using his weapons of choice. A Honda Civic came out, ran through the crowd, jumped out of his car and started chasing up you with a knife and he was running down Woodruff. That's our face. Oh my God. Abdul Razak Ali Artan described in a 911 call, ISIS claimed him as their own. It's new type of attack now becoming a devastating trend. At a Christmas market in Berlin, a huge cargo truck plowed in the food stalls and gift shops, running over holiday revelers. It was weighted with steel rods to do maximum damage. The suspect on the loose for days. It missed me by three meters, missed her by five. It came in through the entrance, hit the sides of the barriers. And now, as we're still gathering facts, terrorism experts saying today's events in London seem to fit the pattern. Alex? ABC's Brad Milkey. Brad, thank you. And we are learning more tonight. Police at Scotland Yard saying that they believe that this was inspired by international terrorism. Islamic State is what they're looking at right now. ABC News senior justice correspondent Pierre Thomas joins me from FBI headquarters. And Pierre, what do we know about the investigation tonight? Well, the investigation is quite intense. We're told that they have a name for the suspect, but they're still working to confirm the identity. With that, they will be able to do an extensive background check, look at smartphone use, look at computers, trying to figure out his background to see who he was in contact with. But right now, the car is a key, key clue. When it comes to here in the U.S. right now, a number of police agencies have said that they have stepped up their vigilance, that they are keeping an eye on what's going on in London. Uh, the NYPD is actually making some changes here and there. Overall, what can police departments do when something like this unfolds overseas? Well, it's pretty routine when you have a catastrophic attack, especially involving our allies, one of our allies, that the NYPD in particular will step up security. Other major cities will do uh, so as well at major landmarks. But Homeland Security today put out a statement reminding the American public that there's no intelligence pointing to a specific plot here at home. But they are also, of course, asking law enforcement to remain vigilant because there's always concern about copycats. See something, say something we hear about so often. Do campaigns like that play a role in this? What can be done when it comes to and what are you hearing from uh, law enforcement and from federal officials when it comes to a vehicle, something that to arm all you have to do is put that key in the ignition when it comes to that weapon? What can be done? Well, law enforcement has been worried about this kind of attack really since what we saw unfold last summer uh, in Nice. And they have been continuously putting out bulletins to police around the country, warning them, encouraging them to be on the lookout for these kinds of attacks. We saw a similar um, situation play out in, at Ohio State University. I believe it was in November. So this threat exists. And we know for a fact that ISIS has been putting out propaganda continuously, asking its followers, to use trucks, to use knives, again, where there's no training required to attack. And so law enforcement has to live with this. The temple, in terms of investigations, remain high. Uh, the FBI constantly has investigations ongoing. But some of this, they remind you that there's only so much that can be done. That's why it's so important for the American public to remain vigilant. If you see something, say something. Scotland Yard tonight is saying that they are looking for more potential associates, but they believe it was one attacker. It seems like in the U.S. we hear so often the concern about the lone wolf, if in fact that's what this is, we don't know. Uh, the lone wolf scenario, still a, a worry for U.S. law enforcement? Very much so. If you talk to law enforcement privately, 
they will say that is the most imminent threat. Someone who is radicalized online who may not tell anyone what they're planning to do and suddenly taking action. So this is the ongoing threat. This is why intelligence, this is why people uh, seeing something unusual or hearing something uh, that sounds unusual or violent from someone, why they encourage uh, the American public to let law enforcement know so that those kind of situations can be investigated. But going forward, this kind of attack, which ISIS and others are encouraging people to do, which requires little to no training, is considered an imminent, ongoing type of threat. Pierre Thomas at the FBI tonight. Pierre, thank you. Joining me now live, former FBI agent and ABC News consultant Steve Gomez. And Steve, what you saw today, a playbook attack? Playbook attack from ISIS. Um, Again, as everybody's mentioned, uh, we've seen it in Nice, Germany, Ohio State University. This is exactly what they've been asking their followers to commit. Don't go anywhere. Just take action right where you are with a car, with a knife. This this guy followed the playbook down to a T, and it's very unfortunate what we see here. I also want to bring in Brad Garrett, formerly of the FBI, also ABC News consultant. Brad, how do you stop something like this from happening when it's just a car and then a knife after that, but the initial attack, a a car, what do you do? This all goes to the relationship between the police and the communities that they police. Because the reality, a lot of these people that do these attacks alone, which this is probably going to fit that profile, is that somebody did know he was going to do this. I mean, it's so rare that that guys like this have not talked to someone. But think about this. The, The idea that you can get pieces of information out of communities that are hostile, maybe toward the police, that are from cultures where you don't deal with the police... Uh, It is a real problem both uh, in Europe, and it's also a problem here, because without timely, uh, on-the-ground intelligence, you're not going to stop these guys. And as everyone has mentioned a thousand times, these are not – there's no planning to these. You just get in your car, and you start driving over people, and then you get out and start stabbing them, you you know, as as others have mentioned that happened at Ohio State recently. So – that's the real key here, and it's, it's a place that we don't do a good enough job. I'm not suggesting it's easy, but we've really got to do better. And, Steve, in the U.S., even though we have seen some incidents like this, there was one in Vegas about a year ago where a woman went up on a sidewalk. We, we saw the one in Ohio. What happened today in London could happen in the U.S.? Exactly. It can happen pretty much anywhere. And you you almost as a citizen, you have to think about where am I if I'm in a crowd? Is there security? Are there barriers? Is it wide open? So if somebody just wanted to commit this type of attack, am I vulnerable? And I always mention L.A. Live in downtown Los Angeles where there's always a crowd. There are no barriers. It's on Figueroa and Olympic right there. There's always people. It's so vulnerable right there. And how many other intersections and places of business exist like that throughout our country. So so we just have to be mindful of if you're in a crowded area, unfortunately, that's a potential target. And especially if it's a high profile location. Seems the, the times that we live in right now, the fact the police officer wasn't armed who was attacked. Uh, it's something that we see in, in London. If police officers, Steve, were to be armed in London, quick answer. Uh, might that have made a difference here? It, it might have. But I mean, the fact is a number of people were injured um, on that bridge 
which was the initial stage of it. Now, as that car came closer, you know, could they have uh, stopped the, the vehicle? I mean, probably not. I mean, once it has the momentum, it's probably not going to be able to be stopped. But once that individual gets out, then then that's when you're going to have to stop the threat of him and the knife. But uh, th- this is so unpredictable. That is the biggest difficulty about it is that it's unpredictable and you can't anticipate it until it's just happening right in front of you. Steve Gomez, Brad Garrett, formerly of the FBI. Guys, stay close. We're going to come back to you, talk more in depth in a couple of minutes. Everything we know right now, one police officer, three members of the public, and the alleged attacker are now dead in London after today's attack. Coming up, today's attack was the first test for President Trump. What the White House is saying when an ABC News special, Terror in London, comes right back. You're listening to an ABC News special, Terror in London. Once again, here is ABC News correspondent Alex Stone. It was mid-afternoon when today's attack unfolded in London. Carnage left behind after an attacker drove his vehicle into pedestrians on the Westminster Bridge and then went after police with a knife. The gunman was shot dead, four victims, including a police officer, killed. Richard Tice saw it unfold. I came out of the Westminster Tube obviously just uh, a couple of minutes after the incident and the police were ushering people away with great vigor uh, initially i was ushered onto the bridge itself and then as i looked around across to the west side of the bridge on the pavement i saw on the north side uh, three people lying on the ground being tended to by other passers-by uh, and then obviously one realized uh, something serious has happened i looked further up and along the bridge and uh, dotted uh, up, up and down the length of the bridge from the south side all the way to the north side. There were just, uh, I saw one, one figure, then another figure, then another figure lying on the ground. And, uh, you know, given the pace at which everything was happening, I'm not sure if I saw eight or nine or ten people lying on the ground, but a significant number of people. And then uh, someone just next to me said that a, a vehicle had uh, driven the whole length of the bridge from south to north uh, on the pavement, uh, just knocking people down, uh, literally just mowing them down. Um, so that was what I was told. And uh, then, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, the emergency personnel arrived very, very quickly. Um, uh, medical personnel flooding the bridge and starting to tend to the injured. Uh, and then very quickly also uh, an extraordinary number of uh, armed personnel arriving uh, in plain clothes cars, um, so pretty uh, a, a pretty shocking, terrifying, and dramatic scene unfolding in front of one's eyes. Richard Tice saw it unfold today in London. The horrific scene. There are still many questions tonight. It was also the first terror test for President Trump. ABC's Karen Travers is at the White House. Alex, President Trump was first briefed by his national security advisor, General H.R. McMaster. The president was actually late for a scheduled meeting on health care as he was informed about the developments in London. Mr. Trump later spoke to British Prime Minister Theresa May by phone. The Department of Homeland Security was in close contact with British counterparts offering to support in the investigation. But the security posture here in the U.S. remains unchanged. DHS says its officers and agents will be vigilant in light of the attack. This would be among the first major terror attacks during the Trump administration. The White House applauded the quick response from police and first responders. And spokesman Sean Spicer said 
Thoughts and prayers go out to the victims. The city of London and Her Majesty's government have the full support of the U.S. government in responding to the attack and bringing those to justice who are responsible. The British prime minister was the first foreign leader to visit the Trump White House. The two leaders seemed eager to charm each other that day in January, both going to great lengths to emphasize the special relationship between the U.S. and the U.K. That relationship hit a snag last week when Sean Spicer quoted a Fox News report saying British intelligence agents spied on President Trump for President Obama. Spicer and Trump's national security advisor reached out to their British counterpart parts to explain this wasn't an endorsement of the allegations, but simply pointing to public reports. The president has made it clear one of his top priorities is protecting the nation, and he's shown he will follow through on his campaign promises to do that. This attack in London could certainly be something the president cites as his reason for taking restrictive measures on things like immigration and travel. Alex? ABC's Karen Travers at the White House. Uh, Karen, thank you very much. I want to go back to ABC's Tom Rivers, who is live in London. And Tom, you covered the attacks in Berlin and Nice as well. Vehicle attacks there. Similarities that you're seeing right now, differences that you're seeing. Yeah, uh, you know, that's the first thing that kind of I thought of today when, when this thing began to unfold. And you think back to Nice and Berlin, they were slightly different, but of course, You know, when you get behind the wheel of something, turn the ignition key, you can never, ever have 100% security. And it goes back to the ISIS call saying, use what you have at hand. Vehicle is something of that nature. And, of course, you know, Britain being what it is with the English Channel, it's not easy to get things like explosive material or, say, automatic weapons over here. It is possible, not very likely, but you can hop in a car if you are of that mind and uh, and do something like this. And it is it is worrying, and it's something that cannot be stopped. We could see this repeated, who knows, a few months down the road. I want to bring back in ABC News consultant Steve Gomez, formerly of the FBI, and Steve Police Departments in the U.S., including New York Police, L.A. Police, L.A. Airport Police today, said they're keeping an eye on this. Some are changing their, their stature because of it. Always that concern of a coordinated attack or, or a copycat when you see something like this happen. Well, you're always trying to figure out, is this part of something that's out on social media or the Internet where they say one's going to happen in the U.K., and it starts triggering a follow-on attack here in the U.S., maybe someplace else in Europe, maybe who knows where. And so you have to be prepared for that because, again, many of these attacks aren't necessarily being ordered or directed by, say, ISIS or one of the other terrorist organizations. It's all part of an inspired atmosphere where they are putting information out there to say, go ahead and do this. And now they just start acting on their own somewhat. But, in fact, they are being inspired by, say, ISIS. Brad Garrett, formerly of the FBI as well, also now an ABC News consultant. So what do police do over these next couple of days to make sure that there is not a copycat, to make sure that there isn't something that inspires somebody else to do this? What can they do in the U.S.? You've got to pull every conceivable piece of intelligence you have about him. I'm going to guess that he was already on their radar screen in some capacity, so that gives them a starting point. But pulling the obvious things, social media, cell phones, etc. But where did he? Where did he live? Who did he hang out with? Where did he work? You've got to find those informal contacts that he had in the coming hours and maybe days before this attack, because there's going to be a piece of information there. And the real key is, 
is he communicating maybe through encrypted apps, who knows, with other people uh, that are like-minded that may want to do this someplace else? Because these high-profile mass casualties, whether they're school shooters or uh, terrorists committing an act, they, they like to piggyback on each other because it emboldens people to act this way. So that's another big concern that somebody unrelated in the U.S., in Europe, some other place could, could launch an attack. Brad Garrett, Steve Gomez, Tom Rivers, stay there. We'll come back to you again, guys. Thank you. Police are saying the slain officer, Keith Palmer, 48 years old, 15 years of service, a husband and a father. Police are giving that information tonight. When we come back live to the Westminster Bridge for an update on what we know about the attacker as we're learning more from this ABC News special, Terror in London, comes right back. You're listening to an ABC News special, Terror in London. Once again, here is ABC News correspondent Alex Stone. Witnesses looked on as today's terror attack unfolded. Taylor Davis is from Salt Lake City. She was on the London Eye today, the giant Ferris wheel, when the attack happened. She talked to my colleague, ABC's Alex Marquardt, in London tonight. Um, we saw a lot of commotion, ambulances, policemen. Um, we kind of thought it was a car accident at first, and then a bunch of black detective cars came in in a line, and that's kind of what we knew it was something a little more serious than that. What was the reaction of the people around you and your own reactions? Um, everybody was just trying to figure out what had gone on, and everybody was trying to get on their phone to Google it on the Internet and see what was happening. So a lot of us called our parents and our family just to ask them what they could look it up online and see what was going on and then everybody kind of started to panic a little bit when you found out what had happened right below you what you were actually looking at what was your reaction just i mean it was just so surreal and how lucky we felt to, we felt pretty safe up there um and just being i guess in the right place at the right time almost just we almost went there like right before we went to the eye so it was just kind of crazy just what if we would have gone there instead it could have been you yeah when you came to london couldn't have expected yeah. anything like yeah. this to happen. No, I mean, you don't ever, it, the chances of it happening are so slim, but you do worry traveling to different countries because it's such a, I mean, it happens all the time. It's just the world that we live in. So, I mean, you think about it, but you never think you'll be close to it or anything like that. So how are you feeling now? Blessed to be where we are. And I mean, it's a really sad situation, but we just feel so lucky to be okay. Taylor Davis from Salt Lake City. She was on the London Eye today, the giant Ferris wheel, when the attack unfolded. It's the middle of the night in London right now, but the scene where Wednesday's terror attack unfolded is still cordoned off. ABC's Molly Hunter is there, and Molly, it was late today when those who were locked inside were allowed to leave the Parliament building. They were stuck inside there for a long time. That's exactly right, Alex, for hours. And, and as this woman just spoke to you, just spoke to Alex, told us, uh, people were also stuck in the London Eye, stuck in buildings surrounding. So it wasn't just the House of Commons. It wasn't just parliamentarians who were stuck. It was all the surrounding buildings. And we started seeing people come out an hour or two after that attack. But they were streaming out uh, probably up until a couple hours ago, just because police were so nervous that maybe he wasn't acting alone, that maybe this uh, attacker had accomplices who were hiding out in the ne nearby area. Alex, I can tell you, when we got on the scene 
um, a, about an hour after the attack actually happened, we saw heavily armed SWAT team uh, police go into Westminster Abbey and they didn't come out for hours. So police were taking every precaution in one of the most heavily secured areas in London to make sure that absolutely everyone was safe uh, before letting anyone out. The area that you're in right now, around the Parliament building, uh, around the bridge, what is that on a typical day? What is access like for visitors? Well, it's one of the most secured places in London, but it's also one of the most visited places, of course, in London, one of the most famous landmarks in London. So while there are lots of security, while there are lots of police on a regular day, it is heaving with people. People are going to the London Eye uh, to visit the House of Commons Parliament, to visit the whole area around. So Today was a fairly typical day. There were a lot of people around, a lot of tourists visiting London, as again, we just heard from that eyewitness. And actually, I spoke with another couple from Connecticut, first time to London as well, who came out of the subway just seconds before that car rammed into the gates of Parliament. And they had the exact same reaction as this young woman from Salt Lake City, is they missed the attack by mere seconds. Had they fed up, had they gotten out of that subway car slightly more quickly, uh, they too would have been right there when the attack had happened. What is the city like tonight? We know Big Ben is lit up. There are some lights uh, on the eye. Some of the other buildings have uh, blue lights on them. Is there activity in the city tonight? Now, I can't speak for outside of this specific area, but this specific area is still very much an active scene. We are still cordoned off. We are still not allowed to get to where that actual attack uh, happened. And from the rest of the city, uh, I hear reports that actually the streets are incredibly quiet, that people are not out and about. People have stayed away from this area. As uh, police had cautioned earlier, a lot of those subway stops are closed in the surrounding areas. Um, a lot of streets are still closed. And, and again, it's almost midnight local time. Uh, so it's incredibly quiet right around where I am. Um, and I imagine actually a lot of people are staying in, watching the news um, and trying to stay safe. And you stay safe as well there, Molly Hunter. Thank you for uh, your help tonight as she is uh, right outside of the, the Parliament building area where this all unfolded. Still cordoned off, still police in the area. Tonight, police in London at Scotland Yard not saying uh, who the attacker was. They do think that they have ID'd him. They do think they know who he was, saying they believe it was ISIS-related, Islamist-related, uh, terrorism uh, according to their assumption, uh, what police are saying tonight, the numbers have been changing. Police now saying they believe around 40 people were injured in the attack today, that there were five total who were killed, including the gunman. The slain officer, 48-year-old Keith Palmer, the one officer who was killed, he was unarmed at the time when he was attacked by the attacker uh, with the knife and he was stabbed. When we come back, we're going to hear from another eyewitness and final thoughts about uh, from our team covering the London terror attack tonight. And this ABC News special, Terror in London, comes right back. You're listening to an ABC News special, Terror in London. Once again, here is ABC News correspondent Alex Stone. Three members of the public lost their lives in the attack, plus a police officer today. Five total, because a gunman also, the attacker rather, also died. They believe he was inspired by international terrorism. Martin Pierce saw it happen. Um, well, I was down at Lambeth Bridge, and all of a sudden I could hear, like, all the ambulance and police going towards that way. And I was like, well, something's happened, so I'll go have a look. And as I was walking up to the bridge where it all happened, there was a gentleman, 
I don't know if it jumped over the side to avoid this person, but he was being looked after by like some ambulance crews. And as I walked up the bridge onto the bridge where it happened, there was a lady in a pool of her own blood just against some postcards. Uh, there was another lady next to her who was injured. And as I looked towards Big Ben, there was a lady in the road. Um, there was about three people sitting up against the bridge being looked after. And, you know, it's some, something you just don't expect to see in London. It's quite shocking, actually. A gruesome scene. Martin Pierce, a witness on scene there. Let's get final thoughts now from our team. Former FBI agent, ABC News consultant Steve Gomez. Where do we go from here? Well, the public has to now recognize, along with the government and the law enforcement agencies, that this type of attack, the use of a vehicle, is going to be a method that isn't going to go away. And with that, they have to come up with solutions on how they're going to identify these people that are going to be using a vehicle and how can they properly prepare and secure the places that they're going to go to whenever they want to go and have a good time and go to an event. So those are the key points that have to now be looked at from a macro level by everybody in every country. Thank you, Steve, for your help tonight. Former FBI agent Brad Garrett. Brad, your final thoughts? I think that this is, as Steve said, not going away. So the real key is going to be, I think we're going to change some dynamics uh, of where crowds gather, where people move around. Now, you cannot make, you cannot lock down a city. You can't make every sidewalk safe. But two things have to happen. We have to be more vigilant and we have to talk to each other and talk to the police despite cultural issues, despite bad relationships with the police. We're not going to stop these attacks unless somebody tells us. Brad, thank you. ABC's Tom Rivers. Tom, you've had a long day. Your final thoughts now? Final thoughts. Uh, this is very reflective of 2005 when uh, there were attacks on subway cars and buses. London is going to be uh, thinking about this for the coming days. It will bounce back, but we're not there yet. And again, vigilance, the key word here in the British capital. And Tom, tomorrow offices will be open. The city will be functioning. Well, Parliament's going to be doing its business on time, on schedule. And uh, again, life goes on, but people are very mindful. Front page news here tomorrow and in the next few days. Tom, great work today. Live in London, ABC's Tom Rivers, Prime Minister Theresa May tonight calling the act deplorable, saying we will never give in to evil. The gunman, the attacker, is dead. The Westminster Bridge still shut down right now. I'm Alex Stone. You've been listening to live coverage from ABC News. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.